2: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's Chief Medical Correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford.
4: Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person.
2: Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. The sports betting landscape from coast to coast. This is Betting Across America on
0: vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Good morning and welcome into Betting Across America. I am Brady Cannon live from the South Point Hotel, Casino and Spa right here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. My partner James Salinas is along via Denver, Colorado as we begin the next three hours of sports betting analysis and opportunity on this Sunday, the 24th day of April. Good morning to you, Mr. Salinas. We had four NFL, or excuse me, NBA playoff games on Saturday, and the underdog covered in every one of them. Also, three out of the four stayed under the total. And we will get to our previews of the four NBA tilts on tap for your Sunday NBA playoff card throughout the show. But before we do that, let's take a look back and see what we can garner from some of the results that we witnessed on Saturday. It began with the Toronto Raptors covering and winning outright over the Philadelphia 76ers, keeping their season alive, 110-102, to your final. The Raptors closed as two-and-a-half-point dogs, and the game just barely stayed under the total of 213. Now, Philadelphia goes on to continue to lead this series three games to one, one with game five coming up Monday night in Philadelphia and injuries are a bit of a concern for both teams. James Fred Vland Vleet left the game with a strained left hip and Joel Embiid. He kind of struggled his way to just 21 points, nursing a sore right thumb in game four. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in an NBA playoff series, but Toronto remains alive now trying to be the first team to do so my
4: friend. I think the issue you mentioned, the injuries, and we're seeing that across the the league when it comes to the playoffs so far, just through the first week of this playoff season. Man, you'd mentioned Van Fleet on that side for Toronto also. We did see Scotty Barnes come back rookie of the year. It was named the other day, and so he did make it back on the floor, but he re- he rolled his ankle again. He's just gutting it out. So they're really beat up and injured in that backcourt for the Toronto Raptors, and you saw the desperation from that team, not wanting to get swept, especially getting finished off, having their season finished off at home there in Toronto. So they played with that that, that urgency and that competitiveness, and we really didn't see that out of the 76ers. And the big concern, obviously you mentioned it, is with Joel Embiid and his thumb injury. You know, he had five turnovers, not handling the basketball very well, and didn't hit the glass. I think that's the biggest thing. He had averaged 13 boards per game through the first three games of this series, only eight re- oh, what he had eight rebounds yesterday total in that game. And a lot of time, that's going to be effort and desire, and you know, with his hand just hurting the way that it is. And you saw him. You saw him a number of times shaking his hand and holding his thumb, and this is something that's not going to go away. He said he's going to play through it. We haven't heard exactly what that injury is, but outside of just being a a menace to his thumb right now, but it clearly impacted him in that game, not himself. And I think the other piece for Embiid is, you know, with his hand injury, Brady, is there another big guy in the league that we see on the ground as much as Joel Embiid? He spends more time on the floor than he does upright. I mean, he is the biggest, he's the biggest strongest player on any given night on the court, yet he's the one that's constantly having to pick himself up from the floor, flailing around, falling down on the court. You know, I, I know he's a big, tall fella, but man, anytime you're falling down, you're going to instinctively put your hands down to brace yourself and you're going to go to that right hand, which is where he's got that thumb injury, so I don't see that thumb injury getting better. And I think we saw Toronto also taking some swipes at it. I think you continue that process. Keep taking swipes at his hand. Make him feel that. Make him feel you. Not ready to give up are the Toronto Raptors at this point. Moving on to Game 5.
0: Well, you wonder if they're feeling some pressure as well. We know Doc Rivers' history of uh, blowing series leads in the playoffs, and maybe it's getting a little nervous in Philadelphia. Obviously Monday will be a very big game. Philadelphia looking to close it out and Toronto looking to make this three games to two and get back to their home court in the Great North. The Utah Jazz, they even their series with the Dallas Mavericks at two games apiece. They won on their home court on Saturday, 100 to 99. They were five and a half point favorites. The Dallas Mavericks get the cover, but the Jazz get the win. Like I say, even this series at two games apiece, the game stayed well under the total of 214 and a half. Luka Doncic he returned to action for Dallas. He poured in 30 points, also had 33 minutes of action, 10 rebounds, four assists, and two steals. He seems to be well and good from a strained calf injury, James. A pivotal Game 5 in this series taking place back in Dallas on Monday night. This series all of a sudden on Saturday turned into a real good one where it looked like Dallas was in control.
4: Yeah, well, Dallas got to be kicking them. That probably was a long plane ride home. A frustrated group of Mavericks on that plane ride back to Dallas after that loss to Utah. A couple big missed free throws late in that game, about 20 seconds. Norman Powell goes 0 for 2, at the foul line, left the door open for the Jazz to squeak back in and, and really escape with a win. You know, a lot of favorable calls for the Utah Jazz in that in that game, too. They went to the line 42 times, and you look at the, the amount of fouls that were called on Dallas, 29 total fouls on the Dallas Mavericks, 16 of them coming from their bench, so th- bench players never found any kind of rhythm outside of just uh having their number called to the score table by the officials putting another whistle on them for a personal foul and i think that really took away some of the flow dallas is not a team that's going to want to get up and down they're going to want to play at this kind of pace that we saw there 199 points scored total in that game but for the mavericks to move back home now they'll get over it and they're going to they'll, they'll be glad they'll be able to turn this right around and get back after it in game five at home because i think if, if they would have pulled that out they would have easily clinch this game on the road. I think with Utah, what we've seen, and we heard about this and talked about this prior to the playoffs, was the Jazz from a from a chemistry standpoint, and really this is just a, a disconnected team, disconnected on the court from each other defensively. Not a good defensive team. You can say what you want about Gobert patrolling the paint and protecting the rim, but their perimeter defense, Donovan Mitchell, is he's still social distancing out there. He didn't want to guard anybody out on the <laughs> perimeter. And I, I think def- defensively, it's just a disconnected team. It's also a disconnected Uh, team from their coach. A lot of talk about Quinn leaving the sidelines from Utah at the end of this season, and you know Dallas, again, kicking themselves from letting that one slip away from them, but they're clearly the better team, better defensive team for sure, and then you mentioned it. Luca. maybe took him a a, a quarter to get his legs back under him, but was sensational in the second half. Hit a number of big shots in that fourth quarter, so uh, he's got that. He's got the cobwebs dusted off. He's ready to get out there and compete in this series, and I think this probably ends in six games. I don't see the Utah Jazz winning in another game in the series. Yeah, Luca absolutely looks dangerous.
0: I mean, you figured he was hobbled in that game 4 and like you said, he was indeed sensational. Look out for Luca in game 5. The one series of the 4 that took place on Saturday where a team did not hang on or even the score was between the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Boston closed as 4 point underdogs with a total of 222 and a half and they won outright 109 to 103, stayed under the total and it gives Boston a commanding three, three games to none series lead over the Nets. The Nets will have one more chance on Monday on their home court to keep this best of seven alive, James. And, you know, if they couldn't make it in game three, if they couldn't make it happen there, you and I were talking on Saturday, we expected inspired effort and it just did not happen at all. I don't know why they're going to make it
4: happen in game four. Uh, Boston's going to want to finish this off. They're going to want to sweep from not only getting, getting this series over with, getting some rest and moving on to the second round, the Eastern Conference playoffs, but also you get to go knock out the Brooklyn Nets. All the talk about it. You know, it's, it's, it I'm not one that uh, I'm not feeling sorry for Brooklyn and, and really any of these teams, Brady, that let's just rally all the best players to our side and let's go after these championships and you, know, you, you can't buy chemistry and we're seeing that with the Brooklyn Nets because you put a, a number of players out there and for some Somebody like Kyrie and KD, as 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 much ball skill as they have out there on the court, able to score at all three levels on the floor, tough matchups for sure on the offensive side, you still got to play on the other end, too. There's two ends of the floor, and that's where the disconnect has been all season long for the Nets, not being committed out there on the defensive side, and that's exactly what Boston is. This is a team that takes a lot of pride in playing defense, and in particular against Kevin Durant. Man, have they taken on this challenge Brady Durant has been bodied he has been, talk about you feel me they definitely he has been feeling the Celtics on each and every possession they've done a great job of denying him whether it's out on the perimeter trying to get to the high post or the low post like he did yesterday running double teams at him it's just been a complete struggle for Kevin Durant to get anything going in this series through three those first three games he's had 17 turnovers out there on the court. He only took 11 shots last night. He didn't even get good looks. He was struggling to even get the ball, even get his touches in that game. Tremendous defensive effort, collective defensive effort from the Boston Celtics. And we did see Robert Williams return coming back from about a month with his knee surgery. He got some minutes out there on the court. So something to look forward to with the Celtics going forward in the playoffs. Yeah, I think they finish it off in four games. They're very motivated to sweep the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn and finish off this this high-priced team. And finally, in the nightcap, it was the Memphis Grizzlies
0: and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Memphis closed as two-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 232-and-a-half. This was the one of the four games that did go over the total. But the T-Wolves even the series at two games apiece. This was a really good basketball game. Very entertaining to watch and a huge win for Minnesota, James, after
4: blowing two huge leads in game three. They bounced back nicely. Minnesota shot the ball very well. I mean, they 50% from three-point land last night, 18 threes made. They also went to the foul line 40 times yesterday, and in particular, Carl Anthony Towns, 17 free throw attempts, knocked down 14 of them. He had to have a big game. And he responded he had a great game in game one and then a lot of issues, foul trouble again for the for for games two and three and and able to keep himself on the court last night. I think that was the key thing for Minnesota. He's been in it. We saw it in that Clippers game, that play in game uh, a week and a half ago where he hardly saw the floor because of foul trouble. Kept himself out of foul trouble, did commit a number of turnovers, but was on the floor for 42 minutes leading the way for Minnesota with 33 points. Again, 14 of those coming from the free throw line. Uh, so going to be, a, now we've got a competitive series, back 2-2. Two, two. I still favor the Memphis Grizzlies. They have the home court, but I think they have the better collective team all around not having to be so dependent upon one player like the Timberwolves are with, with K.A.T. Yeah,
0: K.A.T. was awesome from the foul line. I think he was 14 of 16, only missed a couple of them. Anthony Edwards, man, I just continue to like this guy more and more every time I watch him. All right, we get into the previews next, the Milwaukee Bucks in the Chicago Bulls when we return on Betting Across America.
3: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo.
1: Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my, my game, goodness, bro.
2: Bro. <laughs> I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. Seventy-five percent of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford.
4: Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person.
2: Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
0: America on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into Betting Across America. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you talking a little NBA playoff basketball and we've got one tipping off here pretty quick. The Milwaukee Bucks in Chicago for Game 4 with the Chicago Bulls 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. This one will get underway with the Milwaukee Bucks leading the series two games to one. Milwaukee opened up as four-point road favorites with a total of 219 and right now the consensus number Bucks by four and a half with a total of 219.5. So a little tick towards the Milwaukee Bucks and the over. Chris Middleton out for the Bucks with a knee injury. He did not play in game three either. That didn't seem to bother Milwaukee as they won that contest on Friday night by 30 points, 111 to 81, your final. Will Middleton's absence catch up to the Bucks today in Chicago, who looks to even this series at two games apiece? He probably won't play for the rest of this series, James. A chance he comes back if Milwaukee is able to advance. But again, no problem without Middleton on Friday night
4: long as they have Grayson Allen shooting the way that he did in game 3-8 of 12 from the floor for 22 points and that was the big step up. Allen needed to step up and fill that scoring role that Middleton usually provides and and it was just a, a, I think the Bucks just had the wake up call. I think they're kind of sleepwalking through the first two games in Milwaukee and they really handled Chicago not only this year sweeping them throughout the regular season a 4-0 sweep in their regular season matchups but also I think they had won 17 of the last 18 games against the Chicago So I think sometimes it's just that that human nature, at least from a competitive standpoint, to where, like, all right, we've handled these guys for years. Uh, Who are we going to be playing? Are we going to be playing Boston or or the, the Brooklyn Nets in the next series? And that can tend to happen. So refocused on the road they got refocused after that game two performance where losing that game at home now you get yourself resurrected this is a championship team we know that and they're going to have that championship mindset but it's hard to bring that each and every night in particular when you're playing a team that you've had such success against over the last few years and I think for the Chicago Bulls it's just not a good three-point shooting team you think about the three games that they've played against the Milwaukee Bucks and they will allow you to shoot those threes, and, and they're going to funnel everything out to the perimeter. They are going to protect the paint in that mid-game uh, free-throw line extended area. You're not going to get good looks against Milwaukee the way they defend inside the three-point line, and through the first three games for the Bulls, the two losses... 7 out of 37 from 3 in that first game, 9 of 34 in game 3, game 2, 12 out of 25, that's really where it was, but it was really the lack of energy and intensity from the Bucks in that second game on the defensive end of the floor, allowing a, definitely more looks, they typically have those looks from the outside, Chicago was able to knock those down, but I think here, Milwaukee... Uh, the only thing would be, all right, do they revert back to, all right, well, we handled ourselves, we won the game, we've got home court advantage again, back on our side, we've handled these guys like we know how to do. I think maybe Chicago hangs for the first half, and then Milwaukee will put, turn on its championship pedigree in that second half and, and cruise for this win. I'd be looking to lay the points here with Milwaukee, but I won't. we'll see how it goes in the first half. We'll be on the air, Brady, so we'll keep an eye on that, maybe we'll be able to see Chicago get off to a good start, maybe find a better number with there with Milwaukee, but I'll tell you this was looking at Demar DeRozan and his point total as far as props are concerned it's sitting at 28 and a half it's juiced at a dollar 20 but DeRozan's game doesn't really fit The way that milwaukee it doesn't fit well against the way that milwaukee plays defense derozan is really one of those guys that is a mid-range scorer he is going he is not going to be a three-point scorer and here 28 and a half i just feel like that is too many points i know he exploded in game two for 41 we saw him come back to earth in that last game just 11 points in in game three and only had 18 points in game one i don't see him being able to eclipse that 28 and a half points i like that bet better that's probably one i'm going to play before we get to tip off
0: all right very good yeah you Mentioned 41 points for DeRozan in game two, held to just 11 in game three. Milwaukee's defense held Chicago as a team to under 40% shooting. They also had five players in double figures on offense. I'm not so sure Middleton's absence is going to matter in this series with the Bulls. And you alluded to it, James. Milwaukee does not defend the three pointer well. And we saw that haunt them in a past series against the Miami Heat when the Heat ended up up going to the nba finals but uh, that is not really a threat uh, by the chicago bulls and you pointed it out i think you said seven of 37 from beyond the arc so again middleton not being around to defend i don't think there's a whole lot of shooters there for chicago that they're going to have to really worry about but if they are able to advance past the chicago bulls that is maybe where middleton's absence could hurt milwaukee
4: Yeah, and when he gets back out there, especially Middleton's another one of those that will feed off a Giannis, especially in the fourth quarter. We saw some really clutch shots throughout the playoffs in their championship run last year from Chris Middleton and not always bringing that consistently from game to game. But once you've been there and you've taken that big shot and you've made those big shots, like he did a number of times last year in the, in their playoff run. And then you have that to complement what Giannis does. And when Giannis wants to turn it on and put the ball on the deck and get to that rim and doesn't always have to be above the rim finishing, uh, he's developed more of a touch in the paint. So when teams have to close off and tr- shut those driving lanes off that 's where the kick comes for Middleton to be able to make those shots. yeah, in this series not going to really matter that his absence wasn 't there. definitely didn 't matter in game three as a complete domination from the Bucks in Chicago on Friday night uh, but as they move on in advance, which, I says, which they will here against the Bulls in this series and end up meeting the Boston Celtics, going to need a healthy Chris Middleton to get against that team. But, man, uh, right now on the defensive end of the floor, we've seen the struggles that the Brooklyn Nets are going through. That's going to be a tasty matchup when we get to that second round in the Eastern Conference. You
0: mentioned the uh, prop bet that you like, or at least you're considering with DeMar DeRozan, under or over his point total of 28.5. You can go under or over on rebounds and assists as well. Rebounds is five and a half. Assist is four and a half. Assist maybe looks a little attractive to me to go over on DeRozan, James, but I agree with you. 28 and a half looks awful high. And I wonder if I'm just reacting to what we saw on Friday night where we was held to 11, but uh, 28 and a half does seem pretty big with the way this t- uh, Milwaukee team can defend Chicago without the plethora of shooters from beyond the arc. But let's look at some Some of the other players here in the player prop market, you've got Brooke Lopez, 15 and a half points, four and a half rebounds. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, this is incredible. You look at his numbers here in the prop market under or over 33 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds, seven and a half assists. Boy, if he puts that stat line together, Milwaukee's going to win this game. That's a heck of a game by anybody.
4: And we know that he's fully capable of doing that. It's just a matter of, does he need to do that? And it really hasn't had to have those those big... I mean, they did lose that game in game two, but for Giannis, didn't have to play a whole lot of minutes on Friday night because they got off to such a big lead. And the starters really got to kind of cruise in that game. It's a matter of... You know maybe he's going to have to pick up some of the scoring slack we we'll, we'll see a better effort from the Chicago Bulls for sure in this game here at game they got to be embarrassed about that performance at home and not having been in the playoffs for a while and now you're you're coming off a split a road split in Milwaukee you're coming back home all fired up the crowd's fired up there in Chicago, and that's what it looks like. You get worked and blown out from start to finish. I think we'll definitely see some competitive pride show up for the for the Chicago Bulls at least within the first half and more of a higher energy level, but you know, if if Giannis has to go that route, if he has to score that many points today, then it's a tighter game than what I expect. So, honestly, I I think Milwaukee will will handle their business in the second half against Chicago, and I don't think they'll need Giannis to have to score that many points. So, you kind of correlate the props, right, with how you think the game is going to play out, and and again, I just don't think that they're going to need that many points from Giannis to have to take over. I think it's going to be one on the defensive side of the floor, and uh, again, back to that prop with DeMar DeRozan his game, his mid range game, he's, it's a kind of a lost art hitting at that second level with those free throw line extended jumpers, elbow jumpers, et cetera. That that's the way that DeRozan game has always been, but that just feeds right into how Milwaukee plays defense. They do not let you have those types of looks as their defense is structured to funnel everything out to the perimeter for three point shots. So I, I don't think I'll get involved with any other player props here, but the more we talk ourselves, I'll talk myself into it 28 and a half points. It just seems pretty high total for DeRozan considering the defense that he's going to face today. James, uh, kind of along the lines of what you're talking about there, competitive
0: pride for the Chicago Bulls. They were embarrassed on Friday night. Yep. I would expect them to come back with a little bit of bounce here. And like you say, especially in the first half, the one-player prop that I'm looking at is Alex Caruso. Seven-and-a-half points is the number there. Of course, you can go over or under that. I would tend to go over. He was really shut down pretty well in Game 3 by the Milwaukee Bucks, but he's got to be one of those players that is going to have to contribute and bounce back if Chicago's going to have any chance. We know DeRozan's probably going to get his. Zach Levine is certainly going to contribute. But seven and a half seems
4: pretty low for Alex Caruso to me. Well, and especially for Caruso, yes, he's going to expend a lot of de- energy on the, guarding the ball on the defensive end of the floor, but he's also going to have opportunities to knock down threes based on how this defense is going to funnel things out to the perimeter for Chicago. And you know, the last two games, he's hit six out of 12 threes, so he's shooting 50% the last two games. I think he'll have those opportunities. So you figure if he can knock down two of those shots and maybe get a steal in transition and get a bunny there, there it goes over seven and a half. I agree with you. I like that prop to go over with Caruso hitting that seven and a half total and you would think
0: that that three for 37 from beyond the arc has got to go back towards uh, you know the water's got to find its level here a little bit for Chicago you imagine they're going to be chucking them up because we know that is a way you can attack the Milwaukee Bucks Alex Caruso we'll see if he can get eight or more points today we'll come back and take a look at the Golden State Warriors trying to close out the Denver Nuggets
1: This is Betting Across America
0: on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN is all in for the draft next week, right here in fabulous Las Vegas. We have a special draft preview show tomorrow at 6 p.m. Tim Murray and Sean King will break down the first round prospects and prop bets available. Expert guests include legendary broadcaster Brent Musburger, former NFL GM Michael Lombardi, and former NFL lineman and TV host Mike Golick and his son. VSIN's draft preview special, it's tomorrow, 6 p.m., exclusively on VSIN. And don't forget to download our NFL Draft Betting Guide featuring best bets, mock drafts, and everything you need to score big this draft season. Download it today for just $10. Go to vcin.com slash draft for more information. The Golden State Warriors are at the Denver Nuggets in the Mile High City this afternoon. They take a three-games-to-none lead into this game four. Tip-off scheduled for 12.30 Pacific, 3.30 Eastern time. The Warriors opened up as three-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 224. The Warriors have won the first three contests in this series, James, by scores of 123-107. to 126 to 106 and 118 to 113. That is an average of basically 122 to 109, which is a total of 231 points. So maybe it makes sense that we've seen a tick towards the over from 224 to 222, uh, 24 and a half. What are your thoughts on this game, and do you have an opinion on either the side or the total? Right down the street from you, there in
4: Denver. That's what I played. I did play the over here at 224. Up tempo, the Nuggets are trying to... A lot of made baskets coming from Golden State, but even with the made baskets, Denver is still trying to push the pace and, and beat beat Golden State down in transition. I think the struggle here is, is obviously for Denver, just overmatched, overmatched from the guard position. They are clearly... that. Devoid of talent there. We know the injuries with Murray especially. And think of Murray and the sensational run he had in the playoff bubble for the Denver Nuggets, leading them to the Western Conference Finals and all the great games that they had in that playoff bubble in Florida. But, you know, I, I think for here, for the Nuggets, it's it, it's all Jokic. Everything has to funnel through him, and he has been doing that all season long. We'll see. A, definitely see a competitive effort out of him. I I think Draymond Green, now Jokic had a great game on on. What, the Thursday night was game three. Uh, but Draymond Green's done a really good job of being an agitator and being able to overplay passing lanes in the post. Um, I, I think we'll see a more concerted effort for Jokic to really be physical with Draymond Green close to the basket. And I think Draymond Green is going to get some whistles. He He's... Really, he's been kind of had some favorable whistles or lack of whistles blown. I know he had five fouls in that last game in game three, but I think we we I don't know if we see Draymond Green as much in this game. I think they're going to be a concerted effort to try to get him off the floor. But, you know, laying the four and a half points here, the Warriors are going to close this out. They should win this game today. The the Nuggets, it's it's. You know, another another good season considering the injuries that they've had coming into this season. MPJ really didn't play much at all this season and not being available. And, and it's been Jokic and a cast of others. The, the biggest thing happens when Denver has to go to their bench. There's just no depth from that bench as far as playmaking ability goes. But as far as the tempo is concerned, the Nuggets are still going to look to push the tempo at home to try to get some easy baskets in transition. And then with the Warriors, they're shooting acumen. This is just a team that... Man, now they now that they're fully healthy, we haven't seen the big 3 out there play very much until this playoff series this season. Uh, but now, th- that, if there's any ever a trio that knows how to play together, regardless of how much time they've been apart on the court, it is Draymond Green along with Thompson and Curry. And now you, threw pool, you throw Poole into the mix. That young fella has bought into the culture there. He understands his role, plays with a ton of confidence and energy out there. This is going to be, I think it's going to be a plenty of points on both sides tonight, I think, or today, actually. And honestly, Brady, a lot of folks are selling off their tickets. They're giving their tickets away. It's not going to be that that kind of playoff atmosphere in the, in the arena, if they would have won game three and had an opportunity late in that fourth quarter to do and take, take advantage of, of that lot, really just letting that game slip away in a sense, some bad shot selection from Will Barton. Uh, it's going to be a different atmosphere in that arena tonight at, for the Denver Nuggets. And it's going to really lead to my, to what I think is going to be a high scoring game. So I did play the total. I played it over 224.
0: Very interesting. That's good information that uh, apparently some Denver Nuggets fans not too interested in being there for game four. And the Warriors have had a lot of fans in the building as well. So maybe there won't be a whole lot of home court advantage there. Uh, To your point, James, about the Denver Nuggets being outmatched in game three, the Warriors were out rebounded 44 to 30. They committed 16 turnovers and they shot just 64% from the free throw line, and they still won the ball game and covered the spread. The Nuggets are rated 20th in defensive effic- uh, efficiency. They're allowing over 112 points per game on their home court, and they've allowed the Warriors to shoot better than 55% from the floor. It's going to have to be something drastic, I think, for Denver to get back in this series. And you you don't want to root for injury or or forecast injury, but it might have to be something like that. I, I just don't know if Denver can get it done
4: traditionally. I think it's going to have to be Jokic getting the Warriors front line in foul trouble, namely Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. Looney hasn't performed well against Draymond. He only played nine minutes in that contest in game three, committed four personal fouls. So as soon as he steps on the floor, there's a whistle ready to be blown against him. He's not going to be able to match up with Jokic on the block. But I think that's where the only way that they can compete is getting that front line in foul trouble, both Green and Looney for, for the Warriors and allowing Jokic to facilitate everything. Once he's able to facilitate and, fa- and they're going to have to command double teams if they get in foul trouble, that opens up the floor for some open looks for the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets will be unsaw Aside from, uh, aside from Will Barton that never, sh- never saw a bad shot, he didn't want to chuck up to, <laughs> from, the, from the cheap seats. Uh, it, it is a pretty unselfish team from the guard position. So they will pass up the good shot for a better look, for a better shot. But you know that's all going to be facilitated on the foul trouble. So we'll see how the whistle goes in this game. We know each and every game, it's going to have a different different set of officials and sometimes the officials can impact the tempo of a game We've seen a number of these games where there's a lot of whistles, but I think in this game It is going to be an up-tempo contest and so they'll allow uh, Maybe they would just see more open looks and o- easy baskets to the rim So hopefully they put the whistles away. I think but again, that's the only way Denver can stay in this in this game for a full four quarters. They're going to have to get that front line out of the game, mainly Draymond Green and foul trouble. Uh, we'll see how the game's officiated, but again, I think it's just going to be a high-tempo game, a lot of points to be scored.
0: Well, they're also going to have to do something about Jordan Poole. You mentioned uh, the Poole party, as Warrior fans are yeah. now calling it. This guy has really come out and shown himself in the postseason here for Golden State, and he's been good all season long, but really is pouring it on in the playoffs. Uh, Denver is going to have to do Something to shut him down. Also, obviously, they're going to need to defend Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Looking at the player prop market, James, if that is going to be the case, if Denver's going to have any chance and they slow down, you know, Thompson and Curry and also Jordan Poole, who's really been scoring the most points for the Warriors so far through the first three games, maybe it's Andrew Wiggins' turn to pour in some points for Golden State if the focus is on all those other players. Wiggins has not been huge, he's been very good. Good, But he really hasn't had that huge game where he's gone for, you know, 25 plus points. His number under or over for points scored is 14 and a half. I would lean towards the over on that for Andrew Wiggins. It might be his
4: time here today in game four. It just—it comes down to the amount of touches he's going to get. He is not going to be, we know that he's not going to be the first, the second, or probably even the third option when they're out there on the court. So whatever, good when he does get his touches, he's going to have to take advantage of having those shots because you know a championship team and you, we've got three players on this Warriors team that have that championship medal. They don't want this to go five games. You know, there' the a lot of tread on those, t- you know, not as much tread on those basketball shoes and those tires from all the, the just the deep runs they've made in the playoffs over the last decade. This is a team that wants to close this out, get back to the Bay Area, get some rest, look forward to the second round of their Western Conference playoff opponent, and and get some, you know, really get some time to continue to heal. So this is going to be a team where I think the the champions for the Warriors show out, see a high level of energy from the Nuggets in that first half, but come second half, it's gonna be the in particular for for not only with Poole the way that he's played, but getting Klay Thompson. Clay Thompson's getting himself healthy. He's playing with a lot of confidence, shooting the ball really well. And you know Steph Curry's got range and he's he's stepped right back on the court. Maybe a little rusty in that first half from game one, but now he looks like to he, he is definitely the Curry that we're used to seeing out there. So I'd be I'm a little hesitant. I could go either way with that one as far as Wiggins is concerned. I just don't know how many touches he's gonna get in this game. There's one player that I am looking here for the Nuggets though and I think it's going to be Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon is going to have opportunities to really drive and attack the basket because it's going to be all the focus defensively for the Warriors on Nikola Jokic. I think we're going to see a very aggressive game from Aaron Gordon driving to the rim. He's not a great three point shooter. It's going to be using his athleticism to finish up over the basket and I think he is going to have plenty of opportunities to do that. His point total was sitting at, I'm sorry I 14 and a half it, and is I, what I show. That's it. I just got logged out. Yep, 14 and a half. It is juiced to the over. I see it juiced up now to a $1.30. I'd probably be inclined to lay it. Again, up-tempo game here. I think Gordon's going to be very aggressive off the bounce, on the wing. Jokic is a great player. We'll find him as a back cut as well. I think Gordon goes over his point total at 14.5. Jokic over the rebound
0: total of 14.5 looks like uh, almost an automatic for me, but you yeah. just wonder if this guy's really starting to run out of gas. I mean, he's had, he's been carrying this team for a long time now. 14.5 rebounds under or over for Jokic we'll come back and talk a little Major League Baseball the card for your Sunday when we return
2: hey Sarah i loved love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo OMG you watched it yeah it was
0: edited so well
1: 2025
2: QX80 coming this summer.
1: This is Betty across America on VCN, the sports betting
4: network.
0: MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using the code VSIN200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with the king of sportsbooks. Eligibility restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. It's a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you here inside Betting Across America. And we have got baseball across the country today. Major League Baseball for your Sunday. Beginning just after the top of the hour, two games going to first pitch at ten ten Pacific, one ten p.m. Eastern. We'll begin with the Colorado Rockies visiting the Detroit Tigers. It'll be Chad Cool for the Rocks taking on Tyler Alexander and the Tigers. Tigers a slight favorite here, up to minus one thirty now on the money line with a total of eight and a half. And James. You and I made a good call on Saturday, the second half of that doubleheader. The Rocks got it done. They led three to nothing pretty much the entire game. Detroit made a little noise in the end, but Colorado was able to get a split, winning that game two, three to two over the Tigers. And we felt it was a good spot for Colorado to get that second game of the doubleheader off of all the energy and emotion that was spent in Miguel Cabrera getting career hit number 3000 and it worked out quite well in our favor, but today is a new day, a fresh start. Do you have any lean on the
4: side or the total here in this one, the series finale? I kind of lean to the total first five under four and a half and, and- You know, not a stellar pitching matchup here. Chad Cool coming over. His first two starts as a new Rocky. Went pretty well. Has allowed just four hits and one earned run. And ten and a third innings pitched for his new team. And I think for the Rockies, we we talk about it. And I'm just so used to seeing this with the Rockies. Their splits home and away. And I know we've only been playing a few weeks. So I'm not really going to look at their splits right now. It's so early in the season. But traditionally, historically for this team, it's just been night and day with them. Their ability to hit at what that looks like at home versus the road, and a lot of times it's the it's the the depth of the power alleys in Coors Field. I mean, you've got 390 out there to right center with the tall with the with the higher the the higher fence that protects the bullpen out there in that power alley, and they take full advantage of it. Outfielders got to play a lot deeper. A lot of balls drop in that typically uh, that find a way uh, find holes in those triangles that typically get caught in other parks. But I think here, just thinking about where this both these teams stand neither team is is again Rockies on the road not hitting the ball very well don't love the pitching matchup here on the other side where Tyler Alexander did not pitch well in his last start at New York needed 42 pitches to pitch one inning got 3 outs just could not locate really struggled to get the the Yankees hitters out but here one thing to always look at weather sometimes. Sometimes it's a factor. Sometimes it isn't. The The wind is blowing in. It's blowing in from right field. Uh, gusts between 17 to 20 miles an hour. So that should help keep the ball down on that right side of the park. No power alleys there for any. But not that we're seeing a whole lot of home runs being hit early in the season across the league in Major League Baseball, Brady. But here, I think that's probably where I'd lean under four and a half total runs for the first five. Yeah, that makes sense. I really don't have a
0: play I like in this game. I can't really trust Detroit. I feel like it's Detroit's turn to win this finale in the series here, but Colorado's been very good. They are 9-5 and five to begin the year, just one game back in the National League West, but I don't really want to lay minus 130 with the Tigers either, so I'm going to stay away from this one, but uh, what a game between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Red Sox on Saturday. Tampa Bay had a combined no-hitter going for nine innings and ends up falling behind 2 to nothing to the Boston Red Sox in the 10th inning as they go to extra innings tied at 0-0 Boston makes it 2 to nothing in the 10th, and then Tampa Bay comes back in their home half of the 10th and walks it off, winning 3-2, to two, and good for them. They pitched so well throughout the contest. It was kind of nice to see that rewarded with a victory. Rubber match today, a couple of lefties. It'll be Rich Hill taking on Shane McClanahan. Now, Tampa Bay used seven pitchers on Saturday, so that bullpen certainly a little bit exhausted. The Boston Red Sox also used five pitchers on Saturday. Saturday. The Rays, a heavy favorite here in this one, minus 175 on the money line with a total of seven and a half. What about this
4: one? Another series finale, James? Yeah, you look at the bullpens, both teams going with their openers. We're, we're used to seeing that from Tampa and and Kevin Cash bringing that to to. Tampa and kind of making that the norm there in a sense not the exception anymore and not just such a novelty it's something that they do pretty consistently down there in Tampa but needing to get some innings out of these starters for both of these guys you mentioned McClanahan and how well he's pitched four earned runs in his three starts so far this season struck out 24 batters in just 15 innings pitched. so he is dominant he's picked up where he left off last year. Very dominant up there on the Hill, and I think for the Red Sox, they're going to need to get some innings out of Rich Hill. I mean, Rich Hill, he's going to face his former teammates here in Tampa, although you could probably say that about Rich Hill with half the teams in the league. I think this is Rich <laughs> Hill's 11th team since he's been in the big leagues. 18-year career. Good for Rich Hill. He found the fountain of youth there over the last two years playing in Tampa and and kind of was able to keep his career going. We know he, he's, uh, going to work, he, he's going to work all over the zone. A lot of off-speed pitches, very good with his command, and I think here it's just they're going to need to stretch these both these pitchers out because of what they've done not only for that first game or that game yesterday with the amount of relievers going the opening route for both of these teams, but Went deep into their bullpen, definitely the Red Sox side using five relievers on Friday in Friday night's game as well. But that's where I was looking, and unfortunately, Brady just not getting too many of these pitcher props that I'd like to play when we're talking about total outs. Uh, I don't see anything available for pitchers props here in this matchup. I think both these pitchers will go deep into this game. They're going to need them to maybe have to eat eat a few runs and and work through some work through some jams here because they got to take some pressure off the bullpens in this case, but. I don't really know where to go with this game. If anything, I think both these pitchers have a good matchup here. I was looking at maybe the total for the first five innings, staying away from these bullpens in this sense, but... I think the juice, there's too much juice on this here. I'd like four and a half, but it's juiced at $1. fifty. That's too much juice for me to lay, so no play for me in this contest.
0: Yeah, I was kind of thinking about over the total as well, just at seven and a half there. And obviously they are going to want these guys to really eat up some innings. And, and will they be able to? Uh, I just think you could possibly get some runs scored in this game. And if they do have to go into the bullpen, these bullpens are pretty exhausted from the amount of work that they went through on Saturday. Uh, there was another walk-off uh, in the Yankees-Cleveland game on Saturday. A 5-4 to four victory for the Yankees over the Guardians and New York keeps pace with the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League East. New York now 9-6 and six, and just one game back of the front-running Blue Jays. Garrett Cole will get the ball today for the Bombers, James, facing Aaron Savali. Cole, he has really been struggling to begin the season for the Yankees, but remains a heavy favorite here today at home. This one will be coming up at 10:35 pacific 1:35 p.m eastern yankees better than two dollar favorites minus 210 is the consensus number i'm seeing here and a really low total of six and a half and that was the first thing that caught my eye with the way garrett cole has been struggling out of the gate so far this season i would immediately
4: look to the over here but james you just never know when he's ready to throw a gem as well yeah, I think for for the Guardians on their side, second in the bigs right now with the two seventy batting average as a team. and uh, It comes down to what are we going to see out of Aaron Savali. hasn't got off, and we're going to see that from some of these pitchers still just getting their arms stretched out because of the short spring training uh, that they had to go through because of the lockout. Savali still needing to get himself stretched out and has not got – he's gotten off to a slow start in his two starts so far for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, two starts, eight hits, eight earned runs over just seven – and a third inning is pitched in those two starts. So what do we see out of Savali? Just not really sure what we're going to see on that side. But the one thing we have seen with the Guardians, not only with their batting average sitting at uh, second best at 270, team that doesn't strike out a whole lot. And thinking about where Garrett Cole is, needs to bounce back from the from that last start where he, against Detroit on Tuesday, only went one and two-thirds innings pitched, walked five batters through 68 pitches, just hasn't has really struggled with his command obviously in that in that matchup, but not being able to go a whole deep into these games, I was looking at, well, can I find a, a player prop, a strikeout total here, and that's what I was looking at for Cole uh, just thinking about the matchup going against the Guardians and how well they've been handling the bats so far this season. Right now the, the player prop for or the strikeout prop, should I say, for Garrett Cole is, and a am slow here, Brady. I had it up, excuse me, for one second. Well, I'm, it back I'm guessing it's, at, it's six and a half. And it I was going to say seven and a half. half. Yeah, and that juice has got up. I just don't know how many outs we're going to see out of Garrett Cole, just considering how he's been performing so far this season. I was wanting to go under that 6.5, but it's, everybody else is thinking that way, too. It's juiced all the way up to $1.55. Wow. Too much juice for me. I'm not going to play it.
0: Yeah, fading Garrett Cole again. Apparently, the betters are in this matchup. Yankees still minus 210 on that money line. Cleveland in first place in the American League Central at 500, 7-7 seven seven on the young season. We'll be right back with some NFL Draft Talk coming up next
1: Or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.